0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Patricia Wheeler, retired after 38 years teaching parochial school third graders in the suburb of Seattle, Washington. Patty has experienced spiritually transformative experiences all of her life, and because she taught in a parochial school, felt free, at least for a while, to teach her young students about her NDE and her many other STEs. Along with her husband Bob and dog Sammy, Patty moved to southwest Arizona, where she enjoys fishing, camping, biking, and exploring the area's natural beauty and picturesque towns. As a talented artist, she frequently donates her paintings And mixed media portraits to support many community causes. In her book, Beyond the Natural, Patty shares her experiences of hearing the voice of God and being touched by his love and mercy in ways that were sometimes quiet, sometimes ear shattering, often miraculous and profound. Patty Wheeler is with us today to share some of those same stories she told her third graders. Patty, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Thank you, Lee.
0: Patty, reading your book, I almost changed my mind about parochial school education for kids. I I mean, you would never have been able to talk about NDEs and the like in a public school setting. But then I came to the part where your principal told you you couldn't have seen God. So stop telling stories. So I was disillusioned again. But you yeah, know, the
1: sad part. I'll say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'll bet those kids growing up, they may stop going to church. They may forget their catechism, but they probably won't forget the stories you shared with them.
1: Yeah, you got that right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, why don't we start? And I was thinking, perhaps we could start with your mom's story, uh, because uh, that uh, maybe that's where it comes from your, your talent for all this.
1: Okay. Well, actually I think it came from my grandfather, her, her her dad. um, She mentioned one time that my grandfather fell off a piece of farming equipment that like digs in the soil and he went right underneath it. It should have just killed him. Instead, it ripped his clothes off of him and everybody always laughed about having a guardian angel there to make sure that he just got pushed down in the soil and nothing happened to him. Wow! So when my mom was uh, taking my oldest sister and my brother to school before I was born, she was uh, behind a really slow car and she was going to pass the car, but she saw a policeman on a motorcycle at the corner and decided "Eh, I think I'll just hold off on that passing and as they got to the intersection that car that slow car ahead of her got totally wiped out by an ambulance that ran the intersection and it killed all the people in that car my mom looked over at the policeman that should have been sitting there on his motorcycle she looked over at him for help and there was no one and she told me from the time I could even remember that her guardian angel was dressed like a, a motorcycle policeman.
0: <laughs> That's neat. Yeah. And and then as a um child, you had this um what I call the loaves and fishes story where a wind-up mouse became two. Tell oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I went to a birthday party down the street from my house. I think I was five, maybe six. And they gave me a wind-up mouse for a present. I was thrilled with this thing because I had never seen such a toy. And I brought it home. And my sister, Carolyn, that I just loved to pieces, looked at that toy and said, can I have it? And I'm like, (laughs) no, no. But you can play with it. So she wound it up and put it on the floor. It immediately went under our bookcase. And so we both got on our hands and knees and looked underneath there to see where it was. And there were two of them under there. I pulled them both out and handed one to her going, here you go. You know, <laughs> and it's like, where did that come from?
0: I, You know, I've heard lots of stories besides the loaves and fishes one in the Bible, but I've never heard of uh, mice duplicating themselves <laughs> like that. That's that's quite amazing. Right. Um, OK, let's see. Um Let's see. Where should we go from there? Um, there was the uh, the well. Of course, the kids always ask for the motorcycle accident story, I, don't uh, they?
1: There, there were a couple of things that happened in the meantime. Uh, a major transforming. Uh, thing that happened in my life was a dream I had at the age of 16.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Oh my gosh. This dream was amazing. I don't really think it was a dream. It was like a vision or something, but in this so-called dream, um, I actually died in a car accident and I ended up inside a room that was like a big black square. And I was standing there, I could feel my body perfectly fine. And I was looking straight ahead. And God was there. I couldn't see him, but I knew he was there. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice behind me up at the corner of the room. And the voice was saying things like, Well, I don't know that I really believe in God. And I'm like, don't you see he's standing right here. right? And then it happened again. You know, like, I don't know if I really believe in God. You know, it's kind of hard to understand. I'm like, don't you see him? He's right here. You know, the third time that this voice said, well, you know, whatever. I'm like, I turn around and I go quit saying that. Don't you see? He's right here. And then all of a sudden, I realized that voice was my voice. I was so ashamed. I just fell flat on my face in front of God because I was just, I was ashamed that I could have ever thought those things because I had been thinking them. When I woke up, it's like, man, I'm writing this thing down. I never want to forget <laughs> that dream.
0: <laughs> well, I'll just let you go on with a sequence of, of the stories okay. as you remember them.
1: Right. I had uh, an amazing thing happen with my friend Becky. We got in the car and we were on our way to a park with her little brother Jerry and as we're driving along, I was driving way too fast, like my mom probably taught me. And uh, as, I, as I'm driving along, I realize everybody is stopped. And it's like, oh, now I can't stop. I'm going way too fast. All the cars on my right backed up. Cars in front of me stopped. The only option is getting over on the left side of the road where it's like a half of a width of a car. And it's like, okay, that's my only option here. So I got over there and I'm fitting. I'm driving and I'm fitting. I'm not touching anything, which was great because that was my mom and dad's car. And (laughs) all of a sudden I see this big cement block ahead of us with a light pole coming out of it. And it's like, no matter what, I am going to hit that because there was no way out of it now. So as I'm approaching it, all of a sudden it's behind me. It's like, oh, what just happened there. I pull into the lane of traffic and I look in my rearview mirror because there was a truck that had left space in front of him. And that's what I got into. So when I looked behind me, I saw the guy in the truck. And he was pale. Oh, my gosh. I know he saw it. I didn't see it. It was there. It was gone. And I drove all the way to the park and got out of the car, sat down on the, the, the curb. Becky came and sat by me with her little brother. And I said to her, did we go through that cement block? And she said, we must have. Because she didn't see it either. It was there and it was gone. We should have all died on that one for sure. Then after that, I think that was when I had an out-of-body experience. I went to the dentist and I had gotten too much uh, laughing gas. (laughs) And it wasn't the dentist's fault. I was saying, give me a little more, you know, And, and he gave me a little more and it was a little too much more next thing I knew I was floating up out of the dentist chair and I was laying right below those like asbestos type tiles that have the holes in them. Mm -hmm. Right. uh, Like they were like an inch above my nose and I'm laying there looking at those things going, okay, now I better tell them to give me (laughs) less gas. Mm -hmm. And when I did, I went right back down into my body. Mm -hmm. So, but then after that, Is when I had the motorcycle story. Uh, I had the motorcycle accident, actually. Um, I had just gotten married three months prior to that. And um, my husband really was involved with motorcycles since he was 16. So he wanted me to be excited about it. So at one point, he asked me if I wanted to drive the motorcycle the rest of the way home, which was like four blocks So I didn't want to, really, I did not. But I really hate being labeled the prissy little girl. And so I'm like, sure, I'll drive that motorcycle the rest of the way home. So we traded places, went down two blocks and turned the corner onto our own block. And there were all of our friends playing baseball at the corner. So Bob's waving at all these guys and I'm noticing that there's a parked car on the side of the street and I know that if I don't do something, I'm going to hit it. So I decided I'm not going to lean to go around it. I'm just going to stop. But I didn't know how to stop because I hadn't had any experience. So <laughs> <laughs> I went down on the handlebars instead of up and down guns the engine. And I was about 30 feet away at that point. So However fast you can go in 30 feet is how fast I was going when I hit the parked car. So my legs hit the bumper, but I don't remember it. And so I like woke up in the air thinking, oh, no, as I'm flying over the top of the car. And then all of a sudden I'm waking up laying in the street. So I don't remember impact on either side. Mm -hmm. Um, Bob got up asked me if I was okay. I thought I was, I was going to get up. Nope. Broken leg. But the doctor at the hospital told me that it was more than a broken leg. He told me I was bleeding to death and that my leg looked like a watermelon that you drop in the street. And when it pops open, straw jumps out because my leg was shattered. Yeah. So anyway, When they took me or when they were taking me in the ambulance to the hospital, there were only two people in the ambulance with me, the driver and the guy in the back. And the guy in the back was cool. He was trying to keep me from being upset. So he and I chatted. When we got there, the driver went around and opened the door for us to go in. And somebody was holding my hand. It's like, I didn't know there was a third person in here. Who's that? You know? They let go of my hand, but their hand had to be like an inch away from me. And I turned to look to see who it was. Nobody It's like, okay, well, I don't have time to stop and think about that one. Into the hospital, I went. Eventually, they get me into the operating room. So I'm laying under the big light and I'm talking to the nurse. I'm just like, I'm. I think I just have a broken leg. No big deal. All these doctors and nurses came in the room. I mean, the place was being filled with people. I couldn't believe it. And so, you know, I'm looking around the room and I'm saying, doctor, doctor, nurse, God, doctor, God, <laughs> wait, wait,
0: <laughs> did <I say> God? <laughs>
1: and I look back at this person that I now think was an angel. And the reason being is because if it was Jesus Wouldn't he have brown curly hair and a beard and mustache? I mean, like, serious. So this guy was, you could see through him, but he was definitely there. Um, He had white wispy clothes on. He He looked like he had to be hovering about a foot and a half off of the ground, even though I couldn't see his feet. He was looking up and over the doctor watching the operation. This guy had a face like mine, you know, like it couldn't grow a beard or mustache. And his hair, I don't know what his hair was. It like totally didn't even impress me at all. Maybe real fine blonde, real fine white, whatever.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Anyway, I wanted to see if his arms were working on me. Cause I, I thought it was God and I thought his arms would be working on me. So I lifted my head up just slightly to look because I didn't want to see my icky leg and I saw no arms. So I'm like, okay, when I was in school, they said, God worked through doctors. Good enough. All right. Off to my hospital room. I go, I wake up, it's still dark. So it's only just hours later. And the doctor said my leg would be deadened 16 to 24 hours. All right. So I wake up and I'm going, hey, wait a minute. I was holding somebody's hand in that ambulance. That's so cool. And God was in the operating room and I start crying and I'm like, this is the coolest day I have ever had. And all of a sudden, I felt Jesus standing next to my bed on the left. So I turned to look at him thinking I'm going to see him just as like I see you. Mm. But instead, about eight feet away, I saw a golden sparkle in the air. And it was like I knew it was Jesus. And I looked at the sparkle and I just said, thank you. And all of a sudden my leg buzzed and all the numbness wore off Mm -hmm. and my leg was good. Okay. The next day or the day after, I don't know which I had a headache that you wouldn't believe from landing head first in the street with a helmet. I'll add, um, I had a head concussion. They gave me medicine didn't work. So I had a pillow over my face And they cut out the light because the light was killing me. In comes the the hospital chaplain. It was a lady. She comes in asking me about my pillow and all that. So I'm like, let me tell you what just happened to me. (laughs) And I tell her all these experiences on the way to the hospital and all that. And then she says, and the pillow, pillow is over your face because? Because I have a head concussion. And I had, so I have a headache. She goes, you want to pray? Yes. So she, she's holding my hand going, okay, go ahead. And I'm like, no, you go ahead. (laughs) Finally, finally, I'm like, okay, it looks like it's my job to do this. Dear God, please take away my headache. I mean, that was a really big prayer. And my headache was immediately gone. I did not expect that. I took the pillow off. Totally fine. Wow. So Then let's see what else has happened to me. Oh, yes. Once I got home, um, you know, like I had seen Jesus. I'd seen an angel. I, I had had experiences and I missed him badly. And I'd been praying that I could see him again, not happening. But anyway. I had the flu like you wouldn't believe. I had been laying on the couch for a week and it was finally Friday. Bob comes home from work saying, Can I just go over to John's house? This is not going to be a fun night. (laughs) I'm like, Okay, go. (laughs) So he goes out the door and it seemed like just a few minutes later, here he comes back again. And I'm laying there with my, my eyes closed, and he comes in, sits down on the end of the couch. He pats me on the leg, and I could feel like he, he really loved me when he was patting me on the leg. Not that he doesn't normally, but anyway, he pats me on the leg, and he walks in the kitchen. And by this time, I'm listening to a science experiment on television, and I'm going, hey, Bob, come here and look at this. It's really cool. Bob come here, look at this. It's really cool. It's like, oh, come on. Bob, come here. Look, it's really cool. It's like, argh, I hate that when (laughs) you (laughs) say it louder and louder and get no response. So I get up and I go in the kitchen, but he's not there. So I open up the door to the basement that we always called the dungeon because it was a scary place down there and you never go to the dungeon without turning the light on and the light was not on. So he wasn't in the dungeon. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So the the sliding glass door in the back of the house was locked on the inside. So he hadn't gone out. I mean, like, where did he go? Back up? Look at the bedroom? Nope. Extra bedroom? Nope. Uh, he was nowhere. So I got dressed, went over to John's house, drove over to John's house, knock on the door. John opens the door and there's Bob sitting on the couch. Did you just come home? No. Somebody came in the house and touched me. I tell you, they were in our house. (laughs)
0: Look at
1: he split. (laughs) They looked through the house. And as they're looking through this house that had nobody in it, I recalled what just happened. Bob left. Whoever came in the house didn't use a key. They came through the door. They sat on the couch with me at the end. They touched me. They walked into the kitchen and disappeared, and I was well. So I like, okay, that was either an angel or Jesus himself. But, I mean, that, wow. <laughs> that certainly wasn't coincidence.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then after that, I, I went to uh, uh, a prayer meeting. And while at the prayer meeting, uh, I had my eyes closed. Yet again, I need to learn to open my eyes. Uh, I was praising God and this lady on the organ or the piano, whatever, she's playing along. And all of a sudden, it sounded like harps. And I thought she had like a button that you press on the, the instrument and it would change. And I thought, hey, how appropriate. So then, you know, the praise and worship part got over with. And now I open my eyes and this girl runs up front saying, There were angels all over the ceiling of this room playing harps. And Mm. people are going, I know, I saw it, I saw it. And I'm like, oh, man, all I had to do was open my eyes. I heard them. That's just not right. So, Anyway, then not long after that, I had a big experience with God the Father. Those of you that are watching me now, listen up. This is important. Okay, this is what happened. Bob and I, well, I won't start with that. I was going to do laundry down in the dungeon, turned on the light, went on down. And I was just about ready to open up the washer. And I heard the voice of God. And I tell you, if you ever hear his voice, I've heard people say it sounds like thunder or lightning. Not to me. It didn't. It sounded like a dad. And it sounded like a dad that was no nonsense. And he was right. He was righteous and he was almighty. And he said one word to me to start with he said, Stop. And I knew immediately what he was talking about because Bob and I had been smoking pot and it was. a a very normal thing, I would venture to guess daily for a while. And people would come over and smoke with us. We'd hand them a joint, just like somebody would hand somebody a glass of wine. That's what I thought. Apparently not God. Anyway, I had to give him my excuse as to why I thought smoking pot should be okay. Think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Really? So I said to him, but if I quit, then all these people that come over to visit us, they're not going to want to come over and visit. And he said, stop. And I'm like, but if I (laughs) stop and I'm giving him some other lame excuse, and all of a sudden he said, "Oh," oh, then all of a sudden I felt this dread come over me. It was a serious dread, the dread of turning against God. And it was like, I felt like if I were to die at that very second, I would have ended up in hell. Whether you believe in hell or not, that's what it felt like. And my head dropped down to the washer. And I said, What can I do to get rid of this feeling? And he said, Just stop. And I turned around and I said, well, not what I say. I didn't say well okay. I said, shoot, what did I say? I said something like, Well, okay. Well, it wasn't okay. But anyway, it was an attitude. And it was like, really, I mean, like, I that was God the Father. You don't attitude God the Father. So anyway, <laughs> the point of me telling this story isn't to say that you have to stop smoking pot or you're gonna go to hell for smoking pot. That's not even the point. The point is if God, the father ever talks to you, do not have an attitude. So because attitude gives you that feeling of dread, let me tell you. So anyway, I have also had experiences with the icky side the demonic side. And that all started when right before I was ready to go off to college, I had just the summer between high school and college. And so I didn't want to get a real job. So I went to a temporary type agency, a temp agency. And they put me in as a secretary at some catalog company. Well, while at the catalog company, they were going to sell rods and reels for fishing, but They didn't have a Xerox machine. And because back in those days, some do, some do. not And they were like, they had these little tiny pictures of these rods and reels. And they said, what are we going to do? I said, I'll draw them. I can draw. So they gave them to me and I drew them the right size for their catalog company. And I was like happy because they were like the main thing in that magazine. So like, I was real proud of myself for this thing. Then all of a sudden, Oh, then this one day, this girl that was next to me in the room, she says to me, hey, I know this lady who reads Crystal Balls. You want to go with me? And I'm like, wow, that sounds great, you know. So I went home and told my mom about it. My mom goes, absolutely not. The Bible strictly forbids that kind of stuff. You are not going to be doing that. And I'm like, man, so I went back to work and I'm telling my friend, I'm like, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't, you know, I'm thinking, I'm old enough to make my own decisions. We'll see about this one. Then this guy that I'd never, ever seen comes to my door, taps on the door. I look over. He goes, the boss wants to see you. I'm like, yikes, what I do, you know, you don't like to hear that the boss wants to see you. So. I'm heading for the boss's office and I'm thinking, hey, maybe he thinks that my drawing was really great. And he's gonna say, thank you. That was really excellent. You know, I'm like, yeah. So I get to his door and he says, Come in and sit down, shut the door. I'm like, Uh-oh, so much for the drawing. <laughs> I sit down. I'm like, oh, I did something really bad. <laughs> and he says, So I hear you and Denise are gonna go see a lady with a crystal ball. I'm like, what? What's that? I wasn't doing anything. It's like, this is not work related. And he said, I just want to tell you, don't do it. He said, I did it one time. And when I got home, there were scary faces laughing at me coming out of the ceiling. And he said, It was scary. Don't do it. And I'm like, you couldn't make me do it. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay. So that was the first time. Then the next time I had read a book that a priest from St. Luke's in, in uh, some place by Seattle, he had written this book and told about how he could pray over people and all these miracles happen. I'm like, yeah, I want to go watch that. So I show up at his church after the mass, he says, the old building is across the street. If you want prayer, come on over. So this whole line of people go over and I'm like following the crowd. you know, I get over there and I find just the right seat. So I'm like right up with him. And as I'm listening, he's this lady came up and gave like whispered to him and As she whispered to him, he starts praying for her and this voice came out of her mouth that sounded like a demon, scared the daylights out of me. It was saying, do not pray for me. It was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm in a movie and oh, not good. And then after that, she's crying that she can't breathe. And the priest goes, you can breathe. And then after that, she's like, that's not my voice telling you not to pray for me. He's like, I know. And so he told her to come and see him the next day because he didn't have time for an exorcism with all those people. So that was that. But then I went to my own church and I was at a prayer meeting there and they put us in teams of two or three to pray for people. And I was in a team of two, this girl named Linda that I didn't even know. They put us in this big closet and had us pray over this lady. Don't you know her voice came out just like that demonic voice. Scare me to pieces. And she prayed over that lady. And when we left, I said, was that lady possessed? Oh, yeah, she said. So those are the. Oh, I had one more. You want one more of those? Sure. All right. So. My sister, Carolyn, and my husband, Bob, and I went to this place called Digby's where Bob and I had met. And um, it's a little pub. And we wanted to play pool. So Bob put a quarter on the table so that whoever was playing, whoever lost, would have to leave. And then Bob would take over. And Bob was good at pool. So he would win. And then the three of us would play. Well, so Carolyn and I are just biding our time and we start talking to some guy who says I used to have MS and we're like used to have it he goes yeah I was in a wheelchair and now I'm not it was it was supernatural and we're like cool you know we're thinking yay god you know and so we start telling him all this cool stuff about us you know and all that and he goes no actually mine was a different kind of supernatural I" was in the wheelchair, and I wanted to walk. So I made a pact with the devil that if he let me walk, that I would give him my soul. Oh, my gosh, Lee, the whole pub turned cold. It was so cold that Bob turned to me. He wasn't in on the conversation. He turned to me, and he goes, let's get out of here. It's cold in here. And it's like, yeah, let's do it. We were out of there. Wow. So that was the end of any demonic stuff I ever had. I hate that side.
0: <laughs> We're all grateful for that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. So can I tell you a cute story that happened in my classroom with prayer?
0: Yes. This okay. is the, the snowstorm story. Yes. Huh? I love so this. I, I,
1: I had been telling the kids in my class about how God listens to our prayers and answers our prayers at all times. And all that. And they were like, let's pray now. It's like, okay, let's do it. So we all stood in a circle we're holding hands and saying all these different prayers. And this one kid finally says, dear God, I want it to snow. <laughs> this other kid goes, <laughs> Me too, God. I want it to snow too. Uh, another kid, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, all the kids are like, yeah, I want it to snow. And I'm thinking, oh, this is not good. And then another kid <laughs> says, I want it to snow so much that we get to go home. Well, we had just gotten back from Christmas vacation, two weeks off. And now this kid is asking to go back home from a snow day. And another kid says, yeah, God. I want it to snow so much that we get another whole week off of school. And I'm like, oh okay, kids, time to sit down, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And I get them all sitting and I look outside the windows and there's a couple flakes of snow. And it's like, okay. And the kids are like, yeah. And then all of a sudden the snow started more and more, and it became a snowstorm. Next thing you know. There were parents at my door knocking on the door, getting their kids out to take them home because they didn't want to get stuck in the snowstorm. By the end of the day, our 300 count student body was down to a real minimal one classroom full of kids. Guess how long we were out of school? One week. (laughs) When we got back, the kids As they were coming through the door, they had a look on their face. Every darn one of them had a look on their face that just glowed. They were believers. It was (laughs) so cute. I love that.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I want to tell you about a time that Bob and I were on a vacation and Bob wanted to go fishing, but I wasn't into fishing at the time. I am now, but I wasn't then. And so it's like, okay, you go down to the lake and fish. I'll just walk on this little animal path and look at the flowers or whatever. I'm walking along and all of a sudden, just in a flash, I'll say a quarter of a flash, an eighth of a flash, less than an eighth of a flash. There was this knowledge that came to me that was knowing everything and I mean everything it was there and gone and it was like no wait a minute I knew everything but I know none of the everything but I did and it's like when okay so I wrote a book and I had the title that one I'll never forget what I knew and forgot It was it was the coolest thing to know everything, but I I was left with none of the information. Wow! Yeah,
0: that's that's for people that have near death experiences. That's often a a momentary feeling, but uh, to have it without the other aspects of an NDE, that's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I was just walking. Yeah. Okay, now let me tell you about one time. Oh my gosh! Prayer really, really is strong. Um, I learned how to do sign language. And uh, after going to school for sign language, and, and this, the teachers always made you interact with deaf people for practice. Well, pretty soon these people I'm practicing with are now my friends. And then I'm not going to sign language class anymore. I'm just hanging out with my buddies Anyway, this one deaf guy named Brian had said to me in sign language that, see, he was diabetic. And he said, the doctors told me that if I don't quit eating sugar, I'm going to lose my legs. And I said, you know, I love sugar myself. How's about if I do it with you? And he was like, yeah, that'd be great. Well, I did it. As a matter of fact, I, I gave up sugar for two years. Brian, on the other hand, I don't know if he made it a day. And, um, I got, uh, uh, text. I'll say text. It was my BlackBerry back in those days. Yeah. And it was from a couple of deaf people that said that Brian was in a coma in the hospital. And did I want to come? Yes, of course. So I got there. The whole room was filled with deaf people signing away and everything. I met his his son, and we all went out in the waiting room. And I said to the son, "Can I go back in and pray for your dad?" Yep. So I'm on my way in. I pass a nurse. And I said, now, I know that the last thing to go in a hearing person's life is the hearing. But what's the last thing to go in a deaf person's life? And she said, the sense of touch. So I went in and I put his hand on top of mine and I signed, dear God. Now, this is a man that's in a coma. As as soon as I signed the word God. He came out of the coma. What happened was I signed God. His body looked like a bolt of lightning went through him. His feet raised up, then his middle raised up, then his head raised up. It was like a big ocean wave. And then his eyes went bing, and he just looked straight at me, freaked me out. The last thing I expected is somebody to come out of a coma, for goodness sakes. So I'm like, just a minute. So I run out of the room, go tell the son he's awake. And he runs back in there. He comes out in a few minutes crying, saying that his dad told him he loved him and a few other things. And I said, Can I go back in? Yes. So I went back in. Again, he's back in the coma. I signed, Dear God. Bing. Those eyes came back open. No ocean wave this time, but his eyes were open, just locked on mine. And I, I knew he was a Christian, so I told him, it's okay to go. You don't have to stick around. They had said that he would stick around for I two or more days, I don't know, two, three days, uh, until all of his organs shut down and it was going to be painful. I don't know about being in a coma being painful, but regardless, uh, I told him, just, you know, go ahead and go. You don't have to stick around. And, uh, and then he went back out again, and I left. And then on my way home, I got a message from one of the deaf people saying he died like within a half hour of me leaving. Well, the word got out to the to the um, chaplain or the pastor for the deaf people in in Renton, which is where the their their church was. And uh, he contacted me and he said he had prayed for Brian the day before. Nothing happened, but he didn't touch him either. And he said, I have never, ever heard of anybody coming out of a coma, going back in, coming back out and going back in. Never heard of that. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I <laughs> never thought about it. but That's what happened. So my my uh, advice to people that are listening to this story is people swear all the time. They use the name Jesus without even thinking about it. They use the word God without thinking about it. But you know what? That word God took a guy in a coma and took him out of the coma. Please don't use those words unless you're praying or, you know, with reverence. Because those are very powerful words. So. I can tell you a couple
0: more stories. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) All right. All right. So one time uh, the Seattle area had lost power and it had snowed a whole lot. And Bob was off to work, but school was canceled. So I'm home in my cold house and it was 26 degrees outside. And I think it was 26 degrees in the house. I had my dog inside my shirt with me and all the clothes I could put on over it and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just so cold. All I could do is go, I'm cold because there was like, there was nobody to talk to. You couldn't watch TV. You couldn't even read. It was a little too dark in there. I mean, like there was nothing. And so I like, man, I need a generator. So I went over to the phone book because back in those days, that's what you did. And, um, <clears throat> I called a few places looking for a generator and they said, yeah, good luck. Nobody has generators right now. And all of a sudden the name Eagle Hardware was just like in big block letters right there in front of me. And I thought, well, I'm going to call Eagle Hardware. So I gave them a call and uh, when they answered, I expected them to say Eagle Hardware. But they said, hello. I'm like, oh, I got the wrong number. Sorry. And this lady goes what do you need? Um, No, she said, who are you trying to call? I said, Eagle Hardware. What do you need? I said, I need a generator. I'm freezing over here. She says, I'll have my boss call you back. I'm like, okay. So I hang up the phone and my prayer was just like this, Lee. I said, God, there's some guy out there that has a generator out in his garage that he's not using. I need it ring hello this guy says to me how'd you get my cell phone number i said "Mm, i misdialed sorry and he goes what do you need i need a generator i am freezing over here he says you know i have a generator out in my garage that i'm not using i can bring that over to you i'm like oh hey (laughs) god So he brought it over, plugged me in, didn't take any money from me when he came to get it when I, when I didn't need it. I mean, it was perfect. Wow. And another time that almost like that same thing happened. Um, so my dad was 89 and he was in a like a retirement facility kind of thing, kind of a hospital retirement thing. Anyway he he got up during the night and fell and ended up with a bump on his on his forehead the doctor comes in the next day and goes what happened and he goes i fell and it's like you got up you know yeah i got up and i fell why did you do that well because there was a turtle in the middle of the road and i was afraid somebody was going to hit him and it's like that was the last thing my dad ever said okay After after he died and after the funeral and everything, it was now Easter. And it was the afternoon of Easter. And I'm out in my front yard just gardening around. Up my driveway walks this lady with her little boy. The little boy is holding a turtle. He's trying to hand it to me, as the mom says. There was a turtle in the middle of the road. And we were afraid somebody was going to hit it so we thought we'd bring it to you to put in your lake, and I said, oh, okay, you know, because we had a lake in the back, so I took the turtle, thank you, went and put the turtle in the back, and then um, then when I went in the house, I told Bud, and Bob says, there was a turtle in the middle of the road, and she was afraid somebody was going to hit it, do those words ring a bell, and I went, oh, yes, they do, and I was like, Thank you, Dad. I don't know where the connection was, but the words were identical. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's the, the big gist of everything.
0: <laughs> I wonder how would any of these stories, well, per, excluding the stories of possession, how any of these stories would do anything but help kids. To get an appreciation for the other side.
1: Oh, yeah. I never told them any of the demonic stuff. That would no. freak them out. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, think, I think that uh, when you teach religion out of a book and they have to just read, 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 it becomes a reading lesson. Mm. But when you tell them the way it really is, then it becomes a life lesson.
0: Right. And having heard stories like that, you know the chances are that some of them will have some experiences of their own and rather than just discounting them as coincidence or or whatever right to give to give some spiritual weight to it because I mean if if something really hits you the way these stories have hit you, it can be life changing
1: Oh, indeed. My life is not the same. I can't even imagine what my life would be like if God hadn't intervened all my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, my life is so unusual that uh, at one point in my life, uh, should I tell about what happened at the
0: end? Sure.
1: Okay. So like I had this one principal that pulled me aside outside my classroom door telling me that I had to stop telling my stories and it's like I knew I couldn't I mean like that was my life mission my teaching was but this was it you know and she told me I had to stop telling the stories and at the time I was saying I saw God in the operating room because I still thought it was God And she said, nobody has ever seen God. And I'm thinking, yeah, they have, you know. But anyway, (laughs) um, I went home that night and I prayed and I cried. Prayers and crying often go together with me. And um, I said, you know, God, people that know me are, they're questioning me. And they're going to think I'm a lunatic or something. Stop what you're doing. Stop it all, because I don't want people to think of me as a lunatic. Why did I do that? It stopped. I mean, he's not (laughs) going to override my will. I mean, like, yeah, things really do still happen. Not like that, though. And it's like, why didn't I say, dear God, please wait for me to grow up and be more secure in myself or wait until I don't have this job or, you know, something. But no, I said to stop and he did. Mm. Yeah.
0: Have you, have you given any thought to how uh, kids the age you were teaching, I mean, many families no longer go to church and, and or send their kids to Sunday school. How could these? Um, how could this extra dimension to our lives be given to them? How can how can they be taught? Um, even in a public school, there must be some approach that could be taken that would fit academic requirements, but at the same time give them the uh, understanding that there's more to life than just we just what they see on TV.
1: Well, everybody's writing books about their experiences. How about having the kids either read some of these books or depending on the age of the child, read to them Mm. or read them yourself and then tell them to the kids. Right. In the appropriate age Mm. range that they are.
0: Well, you told me you're doing an audio version of your book.
1: Yes, it's so (laughs) exciting. I mean, okay, so like, when I wrote my book, I was just thrilled about it. And but that was a year ago. And so it was like, a couple weeks ago, uh, I just all of a sudden thought, you know what, I think I need to have an audio book. So I looked it up online. Too expensive for me. But then God always directs me. He directed me to talk to some lady don't even remember how I got a hold of her. She then directed me to talk to this guy named Greg. Greg is a godsend. He's like my editor. And it it doesn't cost a lot when you're doing it in your own voice. And uh, I like doing it in my own voice. And as I'm reading my stories, it's like, these are really, really good stories. (laughs) They really are. I'm enjoying my book all over again. But I know that I didn't write that book by myself. I know the Holy Spirit helped me because when, okay, two weeks, no, not maybe it was a week, whatever. It was right before COVID. Uh, Yeah, two weeks before COVID, before I knew about it, uh, I heard the Holy Spirit talk inside of me. And it wasn't just, you know, uh, a thought, it was an actual voice, a man voice. But it wasn't God the Father. It was the Holy Spirit. I knew that. And he said, it's time to write your book. And I was like, I have a book. (laughs) 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 I had notes, but I really never intended to write a book, although the kids and the parents of the kids all told me, write a book. Um, But instead of saying, I have a book, I, I thought that. I said, okay. And immediately I went to work on writing my book and bing 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 i have a book and now i'm making it into an audiobook and i'm just enjoying the heck out of reading it cuz now it's it's coming out in my voice. This i'm saying it exactly the way that it happened.
0: Yes. Yes, i think that's i, I think all audiobooks unless the person has some sort of terrible voice the author <laughs> the author should read their own books. Oh yeah. We, we have a few minutes left uh, okay. tell the folks about your uh, your art.
1: Oh my um, I draw with colored pencils, and uh, it looks like paint, but it's drawing. And um, I have on my Facebook page, I have uh, places where you can come in and see it. Um, my, my Facebook page that people can look at is called Patty's Life Beyond the Natural. And Patty's is P A T T Y apostrophe S. So Patty's life beyond the natural, and you can go in there and you can see all my work—not all of it, but a whole lot of my work.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, the 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 uh, pictures you sent me via my wife's iPhone, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, which makes them very small, but they are, they look magnificent. They really—that's really very very impressive. So Thank you've you. got a real talent there. Thank you. I guess this is about as far as we're going to get today. First of all, thank you so much. I mean, this is this was great. If if people wanted their kids to hear your story, they should just tune into NDE Radio, which is there for all times, and uh, yeah, <laughs> they could they could get an hour's worth of storytelling from you right there. Otherwise, uh, when your audio book comes out, that would be a great thing to uh, acquire. For- yeah,
1: I hope my former students listen to this. I think they'll get a kick out of hearing their third-grade teacher again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and maybe uh, s- send a free copy to your uh, principal. <laughs>
1: oh, I already sent her a book. Oh, I you think did. I was pushing it on that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much, Patty. This is, this okay. has been great. If listeners. Um, they- Yes,
1: can I give an an email address if somebody wants to contact uh,
0: me? Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay, um, beyond the natural with the number four at outlook.com.
0: Beyond the natural four four four
1: at 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 outlook.com. Very good. Yeah,
0: if listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 400 archived NDE interviews, go to Talk Zones NDE Radio, and hit the past shows button. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. There you can listen and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. And be sure to like, feature, follow, and share our NDE Radio Facebook page and discover our Facebook group and links to our YouTube channel while you're there. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.